0: You can catch Ask Warty live each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, or through the podcast and video replays at askwarty.tv. And now, let's get to today's show. There we go. Hi, everyone. I'm Warty. Welcome to Ask Warty, the weekly show where I answer your questions about traditional cooking. Today, we're talking about a tricky subject, mold in your ferments. I have some sauerkraut here. We're gonna talk about how to prevent mold in your ferments. There are five, really, no nonsense. Do this and you should have mold-free ferments. But we're also gonna talk about how to identify mold that should be tossed or mold that's okay. Okay, we're gonna get to all of that in just very, very soon couple housekeeping notes welcome everyone to ask warty as i said i'm warty and this is the weekly show where i answer your questions about traditional cooking i'm thrilled you're here live or checking it out later um, if you're live on facebook live millie is there in the comments to answer your questions so be sure to just let us know what you need and i will go back later and read as i always do hi to everyone on periscope as well uh, no matter if you're listening to this live or later the show notes, the transcript, the links, the pictures, everything that I'm talking about today is ready for you right now at askwardy.tv. So if you need to run, if you need to check it out later, if this is something that you wanna share with friends or family, I really appreciate that. You can do all that through askwardy.tv. No no matter what though, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, I'd love for you to hit the like button, the subscribe button, and come back again. We meet every week, the same time, same place, um, I do want to let you all know at the very beginning of today's episode, though, having just said same time, same place, we do meet every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern um, for Ask Wardy, And of course, the recordings are up very shortly at AskWardy.tv. But next week, next week, the week of... I'm getting my dates mixed up, but anyway, next week, instead of Wednesday, we're meeting on Thursday because I will be out of town. The reason I'm out of town is because on Tuesday, I'm headed up to Grand Rapids, Michigan. So if you're in that area, come by the Weston Price chapter meeting because I will be speaking. And since we'll be heading home on Wednesday, I just decided to postpone uh, next week's broadcast of Ask Wardy to Thursday, all right? I'll try to remember to mention this at the end as well because I want to make sure all of you who are regulars, because I know you are, um, don't show up on Wednesday and find me not here. Um, If you are a regular and you're live right now, be sure to mark in the comments, type your first name, where you're from, and what you're sipping on today, all right? I love to read those, and then I love to see you guys talk back and forth too. Okay, so let's dive in. We have a topic today that was submitted by Colleen S. She had a big disappointment when she made her pickles. In fact, she watched my uh, pickles video that I put up, oh, in the last few months. There is a link at askwarty.tv, so just follow that, and you can check out the pickles video yourself if you'd like. She used a crock, and she wrote and said, I'm so bummed out. My first ferment in the crock was a total fail. What happened is that her pickles turned soft and they got moldy and that is a bummer. So um, I told Colleen that we would talk about it today on Ask Warty. We're gonna talk about how it happened, how it can be fermented, troubleshooting mold, do you toss, do you not toss, how do you prevent it in the future, all those things we're gonna talk about, okay? So let me read you Colleen's first question and show you, full question, and show you some pictures because she sent some pictures. She says, Hi, Wardy. I loved your video about the fermented pickles. I was wondering if you had any insight as to what happened with my batch. My pickles went soft and moldy. It's the first time I used my crock. It's a two gallon one. Maybe it's too big. I followed your directions, but doubled the amount of salt water since my crock was bigger. I'm so bummed out. My first ferment in the crock was a total fail. We keep our house a little warmer around 78 but I'm most concerned about the mold. Why would it be covered in mold? That can't be good. All right, let me show you some pictures. For those of you who are listening, all you need to do is go to askwardy.tv, look for today's episode, it's 74, and you can see these pictures as well. Okay, here's the crock that she's using. It's a two gallon stoneware crock, and I presume it has weights inside a lot like the one I did in the pickles video. And here's the mold, the mold on top. She skimmed away the mold and so she has that cloudy brine which actually looks normal. But the thing is her pickles turned out soft. So whether or not the mold was a okay mold or a mold you have to toss, the pickles not pleasant to eat because they're soft. So it really is a bummer. But Colleen, let's get into it. And I just want to tell you, I'm thrilled you tried the pickles. I want to encourage you to keep trying. Don't let this discourage you. Try again. It is worth it. I also want to say that pickles are one of the harder ferments, especially in hot weather. They're so worth it when you get it right though. Um, So keep trying, okay? Let's talk now about how to prevent mold during fermentation and some troubleshooting. And I do have five tips for you. And some of this information is going to come from my friend Shannon's new book, just released. It's called Traditionally Fermented Foods. You may know Shannon. She's from the great blog, Nourishing Days. She's a food chemist. She has beautiful photos and recipes and a beautiful life that they live off-grid. And she has this wonderful new book called Traditionally Fermented Foods. And I really love it. You can read my endorsement um, at Ask Taught TV in the show notes. So this is the book. We're going to be taking some tips from it, especially the troubleshooting section that we're going to start with. Okay, And this is for everyone, not just Colleen, because I've had molds go bad, uh, ferments go bad. I've had ferments get moldy. And it's really like not all mold is bad. Not all yeast is bad. So you really have to weigh it out. And so what I'm going to share first comes from Shannon's book, um, and it is to help you troubleshoot mold. What do you toss, what do you not, okay? She starts out this section saying, before you panic at something in the white, fuzzy, or funky department, remember this. Yeasts and molds are everywhere. Not all mold is bad. And then she goes on to say, the key is not to panic, to know what to look for. Don't freak out and throw out whatever fermented food you found with this stuff on top, unless you see some signs to worry about, and we're gonna talk about that in a moment, it is fine. It's normal for yeast to develop in moist, oxygen-rich environments. So in in many cases, if you determine it's fine, you will scrape it off. Or if it's a a thin white film of uh, yeast on top that's called calm yeast, you could shake that into your ferment, like that happens a lot with beet kvass. Or um, remove it from your milk kefir or your sourdough starter, anyway. In many cases, rest assured that if everything else looks fine, your ferment does not need to go into the wastebasket, okay? So here is the checklist that you want to go through to find out whether or not you can save it, okay? And these are really just things that you're going to assess yourself, okay? One is the smell test. Smell it. This is, and by the way, these are in order how you should do them. So smell it. The best way to discern the health of any ferment is simply to smell it. It can smell sour, pungent, very fermented, even very yeasty, but, and those are all fine, but it should not smell, smell putrid, rotten, or incredibly disgusting. Your nose knows the difference. If your ferment doesn't pass this test, in other words, if it smells incredibly disgusting, you toss it. If it, just, if it smells even strongly fermented, strongly yeasty, sour, you're going to move on to test number two. Okay, so it's it's not tossable yet. It might still be, but it, it at least has passed the smell test. All right, this is making sense to everyone? I hope so. Number two, so number one was smell it. Number two is check the color of the surface yeast. If the surface yeast is white, it's probably fine, but you can do the smell test again. If um, the surface stuff, mold or yeast, is green, pink, yellow, or blue, Shannon says, toss it, I completely agree. Even if it smells okay, anything that's green, pink, yellow, or blue is a deal breaker, okay? So that was test number two. Now three, taste it. And you only wanna get to number three to actually taste it if it passes one or two. So don't bother tasting it if it hasn't passed those two first tests, the smell and the look test, okay? Now taste it. If it smells strongly of tang or yeast, but does not smell rotten and has no crazy colors to it, then it should be fine to taste it. It might be extra tangy or yeasty, or it might taste just as a fermented beverage or vegetable should taste. In either case, it's fine to consume. If the taste is too strong, you might want to add it to the compost pile anyway. Um, If it's a mother culture, like milk kefir grains or sourdough starter, you would scrape off the stuff that is objectionable and then reculture it in fresh milk or with another feeding of flour um, and water. In other words, you don't need to toss it. Now, I didn't see Colleen's pickles, so Colleen, I'm just speculating by our exchange and seeing your pictures. Um, Your mold could, could have been skimmed off and the cloudy brine looked fine, but the fact that the pickles were soft means they aren't pleasant to eat. So yes, they end up in the compost pile. And that would be, that would have been determined by a texture, which is kind of like step number three, the taste. All right. Cause it's not going to be fun to eat. And I know there's a lot of families um, and individuals who um, strongly sour, strongly fermented, strongly yeasty is just objectionable. It might not be rotten or putrid, but they don't enjoy eating it. So that's something you learn from and try not to get it that strong the next time. Uh, It may go to the compost anyway because you don't care for it. Doesn't mean it's bad. That's a little bit of a rabbit trail. So all these tests came from um, Shannon's book, again, Traditionally Fermented Foods. We do have a link for you below this video. And um, Shannon's criteria are exactly my criteria. You smell it, you visually inspect it, and if it passes those two, then you taste it. And then if it passes that, either, um, you know, you can handle it, then, then your family's consuming it, you're consuming it, okay? That is if you have a ferment gone bad, possibly gone bad. You're wondering, did it go bad? But the, the, the other issue I wanna to address today here is how to prevent mold, because obviously we don't want it. We don't wanna do what Colleen did and um, have this on the top of our ferments. That's gonna happen sometimes. It's really common with beet kvass. You'll have a film of white, what's called calm yeast, K-A-H-M is how it's spelled. You'll have that kind of thing on top. This looks a little bit fuzzy, fuzzier than calm is, by the way, so I'm not saying hers is calm. But you just don't want that to happen, right? So as often as you can prevent it is the best case scenario. So I want to talk about the best way to prevent ferments from going off in the first place. And that is to give you five tips. All right. Um, If you are enjoying what you're listening to or watching, I'd love for you to subscribe, share and like. I really appreciate it. And um, thank you. So number one tip to prevent mold in ferments is the right temperature. And if you'll remember from Colleen's example, she said she keeps her house warmer at 78 degrees Fahrenheit. Well with fruit and vegetable fermentation, we say the ideal temperature is room temperature. What is room temperature? 72 degrees Fahrenheit and you have a range here for fermentation and going a little bit lower, like to 65 is great. Your ferment will ferment more slowly. Um, but 65 is very safe and it can be active and ferment well. Uh, If you go high, a lot higher than 72, that's where the warm temperatures begin interfering with your good fermentation. So in my opinion, 78 is a bit too high and perfectly explains why her pickles went soft and developed the mold. So your ideal temperature for fermentation is really 65 to 72 degrees Fahrenheit, maybe a little bit higher, but definitely not approaching 80 degrees. Um, and what happens is foods will foods will get soft instead of keeping or developing a nice crunch, and fuzzy or colored mold, fuzzy or colored molds are more likely to develop. So that's why tip number one is the right temperature, 65 to 72 degrees Fahrenheit. Did I say tip number two? I meant tip number one. Tip number one is the right temperature. Number two tip for preventing mold is to start with clean, organic foods. See, here's the thing. If you wanna ferment fruits and vegetables, like this sauerkraut, um, if they're not grown uh, naturally, and of course there's a whole range of what's good, but pesticides, herbicides, those all get in the way of fermentation because they're kind of like antimicrobial. And what's happening here is microscopic beneficial organisms, we're culturing them and, and allowing them to ferment this food and turn it into um, a cultured food. Well, if you have pesticides or herbicide residues on your foods, that's gonna interfere with that work, that important work. So your that fruits and vegetables need to be as clean as possible. So preferably organic, but maybe you're working with a local grower and they haven't gone through the organic you know, certification standards Uh, fine. I just ask them, are are these pesticide free? Do you spray? And a lot of times at farmer's markets, you'll go around and they'll have signs that say no spray, no spray. And so you could just have a discussion. Or if you're growing it yourself, you know, try to avoid that stuff because you're going to be fermenting it and it'll mess with it. Okay. Basically they're poisons and they mess up safe and effective fermentation. So you want to get the best quality fruits and vegetables the cleanest fruits and vegetables to ensure the best fermentation result. That was tip number two. Tip number three is clean containers and utensils. So molds and yeasts are everywhere. It's impossible to avoid them and get away from them. Yet that doesn't mean we're fighting a losing battle when we're choosing and using fermentation vessels like this quart-sized mason jar. You want them to be clean. Now I'm not asking for them to be sterile like absent of anything i'm just asking for them to be sanitary and in many of our kitchens that's washing in hot soapy water rinsing in hot water and air drying or if you have a dish washer then you're using a hot cycle and they air dry in there so clean so you um, eliminate you just reduce as many factors as possible that would work against you in a safe and good result fermentation um, you can even boil your jars and utensils and, and some people do this if they live in an area where it's just known to be lots of molds around in the air, or maybe they have pets, um, and and so for them, boiling and, and um, sanitizing right before fermenting, it would make sense, okay? But I think for most of us, we're just talking about generally clean containers um, and utensils, so just think about you know the things you want to eat off. You want them to be clean. So you, nobody wants to eat off a dirty plate or with a dirty fork. Well, you don't want to ferment in dirty containers either. Okay, number four has to do with salt. You wanna use the right salt and the right amount of it. So the right salt is unrefined sea salt. So the table salt you'd buy in the store, the Morton's iodized or whatever, not a good salt. It's been chemically processed. It has chemicals added to it doesn't have minerals. Our bodies think it's a poison. We don't, our bodies don't even recognize it as real salt. So it's important to use unrefined sea salt. And I have a few links for you at askwardy.tv. So the ones I like is Redmond's real salt. There's Himalayan sea salt. There's Celtic salt. Look for a salt with color and um, you'll be good. You also want to use the right amount My basic brine, like that I poured over the pickles in the pickles video, um, there's a link with this video to that. My basic brine is six tablespoons of sea salt to a half gallon of water. And that's what I use for virtually all my ferments that I would cover with brine, unless a particular food needs a different concentration of sea salt and then the recipe would specify. In ferments that don't call for brine, you're going to use a certain amount of salt in the jar. And like for this sauerkraut, we're mixing a certain amount of salt with the cabbage. And just um, follow the link at askwardy.tv with this episode to the sauerkraut recipe. If you want, um, you know, if you're doing just people do this just you have a whole bunch of vegetables and you're just chopping them up and mixing them and you're just making kind of your own ferments you might be interested in my fermenting formulas cheat sheet you can get that at tradcookschool.com slash ferment cheat where that's all one word or look below this video and I give formulas for fruits vegetables condiments just all kinds of ferments so that you know how much um, salt to use you know how much mother culture if any to use Um, and things like that. So do grab that if you haven't already because it can really guide you to safe um, formulas for fermentation. Okay. Also, you need recipes you can trust. So obviously I recommend all of mine and we have I'm the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods, I have the Lacto Fermentation eBook, I have um, ferment recipes inside our Lacto Fermentation eCourse that members get with Traditional Cooking School, and then there's Shannon's new book, Traditionally Fermented Foods. So rely on tried and true recipes when you're just getting started with fermentation so that you get the right amount of salt to safely ferment. Okay, so that was number four. The right kind of salt and the right amount of salt, really important, really, really important. Um, Number five is airtight containers. So this is something where if you still have issues with mold and you've done everything right, like all the four prior tips right, and you're still having issues with mold, you could invest in containers that are airtight or pretty airtight um, because the less oxygen in the ferment, the better the result. Now, you'll obviously start out with oxygen, but the idea is if you're leaving this food to ferment for three to five to seven days at at room temperature, you just want to minimize the oxygen that's going in and out of the jar. So I have two suggestions for you, and one is right here. This is the Pickle Pro Lid, and this is not completely airtight, but it's mostly airtight. Um, You can get these from Homesteader Supply. I do have a link for you at the show notes, askwarty.tv. Um, It has this airlock on top that you fill with water, so it acts as a water barrier. So stuff in the air outside can't get inside the ferment, but when the organisms are fermenting the vegetables inside, they produce gases and allows the gases out. So it really serves two purposes. One, which is the context we're discussing here, is the oxygen-free environment to ensure a better result. But two, you don't have to burp your jars because the water gutter here lets the fermenting gases out. So that's your most um, economical, probably, uh, way to do an oxygen-free ferment because this Pickle Pro Lid fits on mason jars. So you probably have mason jars or they're not expensive if you need to buy a case. And you can do half gallons, quarts, pints, all kinds of sizes. And this is going to fit on all of them during the time of fermentation. When your ferment is done, you take this off and put a regular lid on. It's very, very cool. It's probably not new to you because if you've been hanging around us for a while, you know that we talk about these often. It's a fantastic um, economic, pro- e- economical product to ensure you get a good result with fermentation without breaking the bank. Now, the other thing you can invest in is a fermentation crock with a water seal. And if you remember the one that Colleen showed, this is a two gallon crock, but this doesn't have a water seal. This is just inside the crock there are the vegetables and then there's weights to hold them down and then this lid just sits on there, but it's not airtight. So I'm not talking about this kind of crock, I'm talking about a crock like this and if you can see the lid is raised and it kind of sits down inside the vessel what you can't see in this picture is there is a water gutter and it's like a moat that goes around that lid and it prevents air from the outside from entering the vessel. So your sauerkraut or pickles or whatnot can be bubbling away inside and gases can get out but the air outside is not going to get in so this is the kind of crock that has a water barrier And this one is a three gallon size. I have one, I love it. Um, When we do big batches of sauerkraut or big batches of pickles, um, it's fantastic. It ensures a good result and we can do big batches. So, you know, maybe that's something for your wish list or maybe you find one at an estate sale or a garage sale, but these are fantastic to have um, if you can afford it or have found one. So those are two um, fermentation vessels that can, help you with this fifth tip of airtight containers because like I said the the less oxygen the better result and that means less mold okay Um, so the bottom line here really is we've discussed um, how to troubleshoot mold if you do get mold on your ferment you want to smell it you want to look at it visually and you want to taste it in that order and they might get discarded at any of those levels um, but that's how you evaluate mold, because not all of it's bad. Not all yeast is bad. And going through those th- three three tests can help you decide whether or not you have to toss your ferment. Um, and then to prevent molds from developing on your ferments at all, or most of the time, of course we can't guarantee it, you want to follow the five tips that I just went through. And again, all of this is at askwardy.tv, so you can bookmark it, print it, put it in your recipe binder, wherever you need it, okay? You need the right temperature 65 to 72 degrees Fahrenheit is ideal you want to start with clean organic foods that's number two number three is clean containers and utensils just to reduce any factors that would interfere you want the right salt and the right amount of salt so use unrefined sea salt and and tried-and-true recipes and number five is airtight containers so either make them airtight like by adding a lid like this or do a a crock with a water barrier Um, Again, I wanna thank Shannon and congratulate Shannon, the author of Traditionally Fermented Foods. Thank you, Shannon, for sharing your three troubleshooting steps today with our audience. And thank you for writing this fantastic book. Um, if, if any of you are looking for a new book on fermentation, I highly recommend it. It's very beautiful and um, all kinds of pictures. And she covers dairy, and grains, fruits and vegetables. I'm just going randomly here. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. And because Shannon is a food chemist, she really brings a lot of um, facts and knowledge to the table. That's why you can trust her tips to decide whether or not a ferment is good. And that kind of information infuses all the recipes and all the basic fermentation information and all the tips that are in this book. So congratulations, Shannon, and if you need a book, try to get this one. There is a link for you below this video. Um, Also, to remind you that earlier in the broadcast, I recommended my free fermenting formulas cheat sheet. It's really important to follow tried and true recipes, but sometimes you go off the cuff because you have all these assorted things in your house, and you're just like, I can't find a recipe, but I'd like to make this well so that's where my formulas come in so tradcookschool.com slash ferment sheet one word ferment sheet or look below this video for a link and you can sign up for that just input your email address and I'll reply by email with the pdf um, that has formulas for all kinds of ferments it's a really quick read and it's a good reference to keep in mind and there are all kinds of links at askwardy.tv So the pickles, the sauerkraut recipes, some other troubleshooting articles. So be sure you check those out. And I will um, conclude with two things. One is come back next week for Ask Gordy, except we will be... Um, Doing Thursday instead of Wednesday. Our normal time is Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. But next week we're going to do it Thursday, same time though: 10 a.m. Eastern, 1 p. 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Thursday next week, but normally we're Wednesdays. And if you, like Colleen, have a question for me, I love your questions. So Wardy, W A R D E E, at askwarty.tv to submit by email, or if you're on Twitter, if that's the hashtag, askwarty, and my handle is at TradCookSchool, so you can just do a question in 140 characters or less. <laughs> it's been wonderful to visit with you all today. I just wish you the best. We're coming on spring and summer when the abundance of produce is going to be out there and you're going to want to make sauerkraut and pickles and chutneys. And so I want you to do it safely and have good results. It's really discouraging to see mold or yeast. And even though it's not all bad, it can still be discouraging. So I hope this was helpful to help you identify what's good and what's not, but also just to prevent um, bad outcomes in the future by following the five tips. Thank you all so much for joining me. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. Here's what to do next. Ask wardy wouldn't be possible without your questions, so please keep them coming. If you're on Twitter, tweet me at TradCookSchool with your question and use the hashtag AskWarty or send an email to warty at askwardy.tv. To get the show notes, links mentioned, video replay, or even to catch up on past episodes of Ask wardy, go to askwardy.tv. To join the fun of the live video recording, be sure to follow me with the handle at TradCookSchool on the Periscope app or go to periscope.tv slash TradCookSchool. We record live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Ask Gordy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop,